People are always giving you clothes when you have a baby. They never give you clothes when you have a skeleton. 10 years ago, it was like millennials have dogs instead of kids now, and now we can't afford dogs. And it's like millennials are having skeletons later than their peers. <laughs> To get us all in the Halloween spirit, we invited our favorite ghoul friend, spellcaster, I mean pod person, I mean podcaster, Sarah Marshall of You're Wrong About and You Are Good to come and haunt the sheeny suburban household that is American Hysteria. Our host for this evening is enchanted plastic skeleton Miranda Zickler, who will chatter out some spooky questions from her clacking bone jaws about our Halloweens, past and present, and will all dump out the contents of our figurative trick-or-treat pillowcases in hopes we might find a razor blade in our candy apple during this, the most wonderful time of the year. You can find an extended director's cut of our conversation on our Patreon at patreon.com slash American Hysteria. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, Miranda. And to quote the illustrious Alex Steed on the smash hit <laughs> Film and Feelings podcast, you are good. Hello, Sarah Marshall. Hello, Miranda Zickler. Oh, that feels good. What a joy to say that. What about me? <laughs> say hello to me. Hello, Chelsea Weber-Smith. As Sarah I live Marshall. and breathe. As I live and breathe. What is that saying? What is that? <laughs> I don't know. I guess you're just saying I'm living, I'm breathing, and I'm seeing you. What a wonderful thing to say. I love it's it. It's probably, yeah, sure as I live and breathe. It's like a <gasps> truncated version of that. Mm -hmm. You are reality. Yes. I'm acknowledging that you are real. It's a nice thing to say to someone if they're on mushrooms <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> okay. Well, I am your host today as Chelsea and Sarah are your panelists since it is officially the season of decorative gourds and ghoul-related media, mm -hmm. we're going to have a good old-fashioned Halloween special. Yay. Yay. The best. <laughs> I was. I woke up having this thought today, and I wonder what you both think of it. I was like, is it that there are Halloween people and Christmas people? Because I'm really not very motivated to decorate my house for Christmas, but I am motivated to decorate for Halloween. And as you know, I'm a plastic skeleton enthusiast. Same. And I was thinking maybe that my plastic skeletons needed a pet a skeleton dog like yours has. Mm -hmm. And I was like, are there Christmas decorate people and Halloween decorate people and they're like different groups? Or are they often the same because they're just people who love to decorate? Well, my mom's both. Mm -hmm. My mom is definitely like go hard for both seasons, but in her heart of hearts, she's a Halloween gal. Mm -hmm. And I believe wholeheartedly that Halloween should be called Millennial Christmas. Yeah, that's so true. Wow. It means a lot more to us than yeah. Christmas does, yes. it seems. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we stretch it across two months the same way that Christmas is stretched. It's getting into August. Yeah. 
I did not appreciate that. I did not appreciate seeing Halloween decorations in August. I think both seasons are sacred and we need to keep them separate. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I agree. It's true. I I do believe in like start. I mean, I guess it's personal, but I think like, for example, in 2020, for me, Halloween started on September 1st because I wanted to theme my horror movie watching for a couple of months. But I think that like at some point in September, I start to feel that it's time to think about Halloween. And I think that's the millennial way of kind of, you know, the, the same way that the fall is like it's it's Rosh Hashanah and it's Libra season and it's the time for sort of bringing in the harvest and the same way that olden times people used to, you know, make candles and cider and such. Millennials like to buy plastic skeletons and watch horror movies. <laughs> we like to celebrate death. Yeah. The death of the season and the death of summer. Yeah, the death of summer. Oh. That's okay. She was too beautiful for this world. (laughs) And she was having sex with everyone in town. (laughs) And now what? Back to horror movies. Before we get into questions further about Halloween and the season, Sarah, what have you been doing for the last week and a half? (gasps) Oh my goodness. I have been doing the You're Wrong About Live West Coast tour. And the first half of it I got to do with Miranda Ziegler and Chelsea Weber-Smith. It was the best. It was a singular thrill. (laughs) It it really was. We got to sit on the couch that was in the real world Seattle in 1998. I only remember the slap. What was the slap? I don't remember the context of the slap. You just know there was like a disembodied (laughs) slap alone in space time. There's so many listeners that would be like very angry that we're not giving the proper time and energy to understanding the slap. The original slap, perhaps. (laughs) This slap walked so Will Smith's slap could run. I guess the point is, for as long as media has existed, we've been using whatever form of it exists to watch people slap each other. (laughs) I do want to just like honk my own horn here a little and say that during the live show, I was able to successfully construct a table that Sarah and I appeared to lift magically to levitate. on its own. Levitate is the word, and the audience did not know how we did it, and that is the crowning achievement of my year, which can tell you about my year. People screamed. <laughs> they screamed, they cried. They bought merch. <laughs> <laughs> Babies were born. <laughs> and we got to perform with Alex Steed of You Are Good, who was fantastic as Jigsaw. And Miranda got to sing with Carolyn Kendrick, who is the You're Wrong About producer. And they did beautiful harmonies. And it was one of the most touching experiences of my life this weekend was. Aw, yes. It was amazing. Sarah... What are your annual rituals that mark the beginning of Halloween season? What a great question. Um, I mean, my main thing is watching horror movies. And I am very excited for this year's watching because I just got back from our tour. So I'm just getting started with my viewing. You also told us about this tradition that you picked up from your friends that's related to this. Tell us about Movie Hat. Yeah. Okay. You get a hat, you write down a bunch of horror movies that you've been meaning to see, you put them in, and then 
if you play it as a couple, you can do it where each person has two vetoes that they can do throughout the month. Brilliant. To me, it's a great way of circumventing um, choice fatigue. Yeah. And so I wrote down a bunch of horror movies that whenever they come up, I'm like, oh, I should watch that. And then I forget about it and I just watch Fatal Attraction again. (laughs) So I have made my movie hat. And I'm really excited for that. Yeah. And, you know, this is, I've been meaning to get skeletons for years. And I finally got two skeletons to decorate with this year. And I'm really happy about it. So I think that, I think I might just have year-round skeletons, though, because I think they're even funnier the rest of the year. And then you can put a Santa hat on them or something. Mm -hmm. Ours are year-round and have uh, changeable outfits. How many outfits do they have? <laughs> I mean, it's like a bunch of baby clothes that we were supposed to pass on to our friend. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were like, the skeleton needs a wardrobe. Exactly. Fuck that baby. <laughs> What's more important here? People are yeah. always giving you clothes when you have a baby. They never give you clothes when you have a skeleton. Exactly. It's only fair. We never got a skeleton shower. <laughs> it's also the millennial baby. Oh, the it is the millennial skeleton. baby. <laughs> I know, like 10 years ago, it was like, millennials have dogs instead of kids now, and now we can't afford dogs. And it's like, millennials are having skeletons later than their peers. There was that great, like, I don't know if it was a vine or something, but it was a little child with a plastic skeleton, and it was their special toy. And it was like the kid pushing the skeleton on a swing and pushing it down a slide. And it was just felt very relatable yeah, to me. Yeah, I, I think I remember that. And also, you, you told us about, I think, an iconic vine when we went to Home Depot <laughs> to the scary decorations area. Yeah, <laughs> where it's like, are we doing this? Am I like retelling TikToks? I want you to yes. do it, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm subtly teeing it up for you to, to do the vine. <laughs> it's a man and his little child who's probably like three, and they're in some kind of store where there's Halloween decorations and there's a bunch of skeleton dogs and the little boy looks at them and says, puppies. And then the dad says, dead puppies. (laughs) And then the child goes. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this connects to a, a Halloween memory I have, which is when I was two or three, my mom thought that it would be, she's always overestimated me. She thought that it would be funny if she put on a witch mask because she thought I would, like, get it. She thought I'd be like, oh, haha, mother, how droll that you are pretending to be a scary witch, although I know you are not. Um, and she had me close my eyes, and then I opened them, and she had a witch mask on, and obviously I, like, ran down the stairs in abject terror because I did not, I didn't understand it because that's, you know... If you tell a kid that there's dead puppies in front of him, then it's like, oh, my God, suddenly an army of skeleton puppies might come to get me, like in Jason and the Argonauts, (laughs) the puppy version. (laughs) And also speaking of uh, Home Depot, I was really impressed by their selection. I feel like it was a lot scarier than anything I've seen at Spirit Halloween in recent years. It was better than Spirit. I'll say it. It was better. I don't care. One of the things that we found at Home Depot was a very special new friend slash uh, performer for the live shows. And she was a bendable furry spider named Melissa. (laughs) Melissa. Sweet Melissa. Sweet Melissa. The reason she's named Melissa, I think, is worth sharing. And that is 
one time when I was in my early 20s, but by the way, I passed as 16 and got a discounted ticket, went to the reptile zoo. And if you know what the reptile zoo is, I love you. And it's in Washington State, and it is a place exactly as it sounds, full of reptiles and things reptile adjacent. And in one of the terrariums, I found a tarantula and she had her little label and her name was Melissa. And I never forgot her. (laughs) Hopefully she's still out there. She lives on forever. To me, that's the funniest thing ever. And it immediately conjures for me the mental image of a tarantula like working in payroll. (laughs) Like you gotta go talk to Melissa. All of its little legs are typing at the same time. (laughs) She's drinking a Diet Dr. Pepper with one of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's eating, like, Chinese food with chopsticks while, like, trying to get her work done, just shoveling it in. So talented. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we found a big fuzzy spider at Home Depot. And, Chelsea, what are the rituals in in our home? Well, I think my favorite ritual is making Blair Witch figures Mm. from sticks and string and then hanging them about uh, outside. And I've been doing that since I was a child. And it fills me with a very special kind of joy of craftsmanship, construction. What else do we do, Miranda? Most of our Halloween decorations are out all year, except (laughs) for Ghostface. Oh, yeah. We have a life-size Ghostface and we hang him on our porch. Sometimes we hang him on our porch to distract or worry potential burglars. If we're feeling especially worried about that, we'll just stick him out there. But most of the time, he lives inside until Halloween season. Or when Scream premieres. That's low. Is Ghostface out yet? No. We're waiting for October 1st. Yeah. That makes it special. It does. It just has to stay special. It has to stay sacred and special and not saturate our life because it's precious. It's very personal how much spooky. I mean, it's it's different than Christmas decorations, I feel like, in the sense that maybe it's like spookiness is to Halloween as coziness is to Christmas. Like, you can be cozy year-round, mm. but you can't be all-out Christmassy. It reminds me of how the house in Home Alone has a Christmas design theme. And I remember taking this to Twitter and having people argue alternately that, yeah, it just looks like that, or no, they redecorate for Christmas and they... <laughs> put up different wallpaper and stuff feels like Catherine (laughs) o'hara would be able to change decorating like that much seasonally just change the wallpaper change everything very energetic yeah Mm. she is she's got a lot of energy and then there's a spirit halloween movie coming out what yeah is it about working in a spirit halloween store and all the weird is it like midnight at the spirit halloween store i think it's like that one movie midnight is it museum night spend the night museum sleepover what's that movie yeah it's called Uh spend the night museum sleepover (laughs) (laughs) well i think it's like that but it's spirit halloween and all of the animatronics come to life which by the way if we're basing it upon the animatronics we saw this year i don't want to see the movie I want to see Home Depot, the Halloween section, the movie. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm there. That would be great. I mean, did you ever see you ever see the movie Career Opportunities where the people are stuck in Target overnight? No. It's one of John Hughes's B-side movies, I guess, but it's fun. And it's got wow. Jennifer Connelly in it, fun. which, you know, you can't say no to that. And it's, you know, partly based on the kind of kid idea of like, 
wouldn't it be so cool to have this whole target to myself? So I feel like you could do like career opportunities, but in a Home Depot, which then has much more menacing potential if like scary guys get in, which is what happened in career opportunities. Somebody's going to get staple gunned. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) It also reminds me of uh, Where the Heart Is, starring Natalie Portman, which she has a baby in a Walmart and lives in the Walmart. It's all the same genre. They're like, security cameras haven't been invented, right? Right. Yeah, right. right? It's only the late 90s. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just skateboard away from the cops. <laughs> what are the other new horror films coming out? We haven't seen Barbarian or Pearl yet, which I feel is shameful. It is. I saw Barbarian the other day. I really loved it. I haven't seen Pearl yet. I didn't see X either. I can tell you the names of some of the movies I put in my movie hat. Please. Okay. So these are all movies I haven't seen yet, and many of which I've been meaning to see. The Vanishing, The Babysitter, The House of the Devil, X, Pearl, Brain Dead, Safe, Dead Ringers, Zombie, Demons, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 70s one, Midsommar, Blood Messiah, Black Sunday, Get Out. Yes, I have not seen Get Out yet. Oh. Can you believe it? It's a major character flaw. It's not. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> Me too. When something gets really hyped, I get so weird about it. And I'm like, leave me alone. Stop hounding me. And then I miss out on a lot of good stuff. That's why you haven't watched Yellow Jackets, Sarah. Or Succession. I know. (laughs) I would like to see a combination of that where everyone's on a mountain eating, you know, human flesh or whatever. And they're also trying to run a media conglomerate. (laughs) It's just Fox News. They do have that vibe. Uh, And then a bunch of other stuff. So I'm very excited for Movie Hat. That's a great list. You know, I mean, it sounded like a spoken word poem. Yeah. Well, I loved all the one word Mm. titles I kept writing down. Yeah, they're punchy. I really, there are so many one word titles in horror. And um, I just did my first drawing today, and it looks like I'm watching The Strangers, or as Camus would call it, Les étrangers. <laughs> wow, we're bringing some real culture into this show. <laughs> More after this. <laughs> you ever notice how finding time and energy to do the most basic human necessity, eat literal food, has become just another exhausting task jammed into our increasingly inhuman schedules? Well your spring can be a little more stress-free with Factor. Factor will provide you with delicious, never-frozen, ready-to-eat gourmet meals that are chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Each week, you get to choose from a menu of 35 options to create your perfect breakfast, lunch, or dinner with absolutely no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. And Factor makes sure you get exactly what you want. You can tailor deliveries to your schedule and customize how many meals you want each and every week, and you can pause anytime. So just head to factormeals.com slash American Hysteria 50 and use code American Hysteria 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code American Hysteria 50 at factormeals.com slash American Hysteria 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Check out Factor today. 
Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. And now, back to the show. <laughs> Alex was theorizing earlier that we're entering a new golden age of horror. And I would argue that we're already inside of it. But what do you two mm -hmm. think about that? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think we're in the middle of one. And I just think it's like it's just taking on the form and we're starting to see kind of like our social issues expressed in our horror movies in a much more overt way where I feel like before it was yeah. more covert and more like you had to read into it to kind of get its meaning. Whereas now we're being more explicit, which is just like creating a whole new feeling of horror and like it's just changed what horror can do and it's just changing with our anxieties as always like you know we're like having a lot of techno mm -hmm. horror where mm -hmm. it's like one of my favorite genres where mm. it's the entire thing is happening on a computer screen or like on zoom oh yeah mm -hmm. like we're all going to the world's fair oh yeah have you seen that sarah no that's a movie that sounds great Put it in your hat. Put it in your hat. It's like very odd and very, it's very interesting and doesn't at all sound like what the title says. But Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. So I think we're in a, I do think we're in a golden age of horror. I mean, we certainly are like politically and in terms of reality now that I think about it. So like it would make sense that, I mean, not necessarily make sense, but it's it's a nice gift that the horror movies have gotten better. Yeah, And I think also pe people are more willing to take them seriously maybe than ever before. Like, I feel like there have been enough breakout crossover kind of prestige successes that I feel like more people are being won over to the idea that horror has something to say. Yeah, absolutely. Which is what we've all been saying for a long time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and all of that is working out great, except for things like the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Which took all uh, of those great qualities and did us real dirty. To quote a TikTok or a Vine or something that I know we all love, look at how they massacred my boy. <laughs> Miranda, do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Look how they massacred my boy. God, it's haunting. <laughs> it's just uncanny. It's like Mark just was here. Uh, and, and they did. <laughs> Do you want to explain what that meme is? Yeah, that was a Sarah meme. I want to say it was on TikTok or something. I don't know the creator, but they're a, a genius, as is Miranda, for being able to imitate it. And the caption is, if Marge Simpson was in The Godfather. <laughs> and that's it. And they, really, and they really did that to us with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. They did massacre our boy. Yeah. Almost felt like it was like a way to test whether there was a right-wing audience totally. for horror. Right? That movie, it felt like it had no idea who it was for mm -hmm. or who it was mad at. And there was like a scene where, was it, I think Leatherface just like kills a bunch of millennials on a party bus mm -hmm. or Gen Z, I guess, because mm -hmm. they're all kids. I think this is made for people who think millennials are 25 still. 
Yes, definitely. And then also the whole Confederate flag debacle where it was like somebody was bad for suggesting that the Confederate flag come down because that's gentrification. Yeah. I'm not really sure that's what gentrification is. She was like, that was my grandfather's flag. Where the black character is villainous because he wants to force an old lady to take down her Confederate flag. And then... He forces her out of her home because she has to leave right now so he can do an influencer pop-up event. And then she dies. (laughs) Like, what is this movie saying? What are we meant to take from this? (laughs) Suffice it to say that you can hide a chainsaw on a wall for 48 years and it'll work fine when you you pull it out to use again on hipsters. Made in America. (laughs) What about books? Sarah, are you reading any, any spooky books? Hmm. I'm not reading anything spooky right now, although I'm finishing up my article on serial killers. So actually all of my research is by definition, not really spooky, but just flat out scary. Mm -hmm. I would say I would love to make a couple of spooky book, spooky book, spooky book (laughs) recommendations, (laughs) please. So two books that I love that are in the horror category, as well as a few others are The Bad Seed and Picnic at Hanging Rock, Mm. which are both also have wonderful movies based on them, but they're fantastic. And they're both relatively short novels that you can read fairly quickly as kind of a condensed experience. And the writing itself is totally wonderful. And I love them both. I'm reading Pet (gasps) Cemetery. I love Pet Cemetery. Well, I'm listening to Pet Cemetery. Yes, read by Dexter. Yes. And it was a recommendation from you uh, many months ago. So I, yeah, I've been saving it for this season. That makes me so happy. Chelsea, what was your favorite Halloween costume? <laughs> <laughs> well, my mom, again, was like, super into Halloween and like would make these amazing costumes for herself and my stepdad as well. Like they were Dracula and Lucy from the 90s Dracula. They were Xena and who's the guy? (laughs) Who's that blonde guy? Boy Xena. Hercules? Is it Hercules? I feel like there was a crossover. He was played by uh, Kevin Mm. Sorbo. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yep. Yep. They were them. My mom also did like a skin tight Catwoman costume, which was extremely cool. Mm, But she, we would like make costumes together and she made me a werewolf costume because I had also attempted and successfully convinced several people in my elementary school that I was in fact a werewolf because I was that kind of child. That's awesome. Wait, wait, what did you say to convince them? Like what, do you remember like what was convincing? I, I like kept it like pretty chill because I was like you know it's got to be believable and they were like well how do you know how do you know and I was like well last time there was a full moon like a feeling came over me and like something (laughs) happened I felt something and then it like you know a cloud passed over the moon and it was over wow (laughs) (laughs) I like how you didn't turn it into full like And then I turned into a dog because then they would have so many follow-up questions. Yep. Even then I knew (laughs) how to make people believe (laughs) bullshit. (laughs) Fantastic costume. But my favorite adult costume was L. Ron Hubbard. Wow. But it was like a little like a little gay, you know, like I was like a little like ascot forward (laughs) L. Ron Hubbard of Scientology fame. And uh, I got the stuff 
from the costume store that makes your teeth all yellow. Nice. So it was like a combination of like hot L. Ron Hubbard and just like really gross. Hot, gross L. Ron Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Hot and gross. <laughs> <laughs> the best combination, honestly. How I always describe you. That seems fitting. <laughs> it's fine. Sarah, what about you? Gosh. I went as Ellie Sattler from Jurassic Park one year when, as an adult. And that's a pretty easy one because you just need khaki shorts, hiking boots, a pink blouse, and a mm-hmm, yellow mm-hmm. slicker. As a kid, I very often went as either a cat or a witch. Same. Classic. Yeah, I said that as if that was like some special thing that we had in common, but I feel like it's probably true of most <laughs> children. Well, but I think a lot of kids go as, as something different every year. Maybe it's like, not everybody is like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy to be a cat or a witch. <laughs> and they're also like totally generic characters, which is nice too. There's no merchandising. You're just like any cat. Mm. You're not a famous cat. You're just a cat. And you're not a particular witch. You're just like, like, I wonder how many kids are just cats anymore or if that's changed. One of my mom's favorite. Hey, mom, she's going to listen. So hi. Thanks for your Halloween inspirations. One of her favorite stories to tell about me is my mom was not heavily into PTA, but she would always do the Halloween party because she was like, no one's going to do this right. And it would like involve getting dry ice from the grocery store and bringing it in just like really classic stuff but her favorite story is the halloween party of kindergarten all of the girls were dressed as princesses and i came in my wednesday adams costume (laughs) complete with a headless doll (laughs) that's amazing it's been this way forever it's always been this way i was Morticia adams in sixth grade and i got really hot in that wig (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then my, but my favorite costume that I ever had was when I was seven, I think, inspired by American Girl magazine. I went as a bunch of grapes, <laughs> which meant that I wore a black bodysuit with purple balloons all over it. Wow. And I remember having a fight with my mom because we used to go trick or treating at this morage, this houseboat morage, because it was the place closest to us where there were houses close together. And she was like, just wear your black ski suit and you can put the balloons on that. And I was like, no, it has to be a black skin tight bodysuit. So I'll look like grapes. The effect will be destroyed if I wear something bulky. And I got my way. And I'm sure I was very cold because it was late October and we were over open water. But I was just like, nope, I'm grapes. I have to commit to being grapes. That's beautiful. Did you trick or treat every year? I think so. Yeah. I feel like we all did. I feel like they do. I feel like the children don't do it anymore. I feel like trick or treating is less universal now. Yeah. I've ne- my house has never been trick or treated at. And to be fair, I've been here during a pandemic. And I've lived in a lot of apartment buildings before that, but like I've never lived in a house where I've had like a bunch of trick or treaters. <laughs> we like really embarrassed ourselves <laughs> last year because we we had our like costume for like the adult world and then we got we dressed up like creepy clowns for the children who were going to trick-or-treat right and we like decorated our yard a little bit and we had like dr skull which is our skeleton i don't think we 
called him Dr. Skull earlier, but he's named after the first season character of I Think You Should Leave. And, uh, you know, we put Dr. Skull on the swing in a little dress. Yeah. Like We had scary calliope yeah. music mm-hmm. playing, Aww. like scary carnival mm-hmm. music playing outside. I was very diligent with the playlist. And like nobody showed up. That's terrible. <laughs> but actually, what's far worse than nobody showing up is older kids <sighs> that like right. looked at us like, uh-huh. I'm like, well, then you don't get any candy. That's how this works. I have the power. Actually, I guess they do because they could trick me, but they won't. And we did give them candy. And fucking, can I just say originally trick-or-treating, you had to do like a little performance. Like in the early days of Halloween history, you had to do a little a little song and dance performance if you wanted to get candy, not glare at me. (laughs) Like I should be ashamed and embarrassed of myself. It's funny how trick-or-treating, how something like this morphs over time. And of course, your logo is one of my favorite logos, and it's the razor blade and the apple. It's America. That's America. Yeah, that is America. And And it's it's back. The story's back, right? I mean, every single year. Yes. And I bet I told the story on the show before. I've definitely told it elsewhere. But when I was a kid, we went trick-or-treating at this houseboat morgue where we lived, which is in a rural area. And a house gave me an apple. And then I came home and spread out all my candy. And I didn't really, I wasn't allowed to have candy as a kid, really. So, like, whenever I got it, it, like, hurt my teeth. And so at Halloween, I would, like, obtain candy. And then I would spread it all out and count it. And then I would trade it with other kids through Mm. the year. And also my mom just ate a lot of it and we kept it in the freezer. But I, like, ate my apple while I counted my candy. And that was, like, the edible treat and the candy was the commodity treat. Wow. And it, it never occurred to anybody to not let me eat the apple, which is, <laughs> is funny to me. Fascinating. She's an entrepreneur. <laughs> through and through. <laughs> Nothing like surveying your riches while you eat your apple. <laughs> Chelsea, tell us about the new panic. I don't know very much about it. Oh, I mean, I don't, I think it's about fentanyl. I don't oh. fucking know. What is the motive of this? Why, like, only if you're just straight up a murder, like, how many... Serial killers are there supposed to be in this country? Not that we've been talking about that lately. Well, and serial killers that aren't interested in seeing, like, the fruits of their labor. Right. They're like, I'm just happy knowing that they're off dying somewhere by themselves. I don't need to, like, and, like, that does happen. Like, we had the Tylenol murders, and that was very real, but... Well, they're reopening that case. Ah. I just was going to say they're reopening the Tylenol murders case. Really? There's been, like, some new evidence or something. That's exciting news. And, I mean, it's the universe. Bomber is our theory. Oh. You think he started with Tylenol and he was like, this is boring. I want to do bombs. I want to push myself like Joey Chestnut. Exactly. He graduated to eating 32 Big Macs. But no, I, I will. I This is a breaking news and I have not looked into it yet. So wow, I'm sure that's what we'll go do after this. What's funny is that if more of these iconic unsolved serial killers get attached to real guys... I feel like they're going to get deflated as media properties, you know, because like, say that we figure out who the Zodiac is, and it'll be really interesting, but it will be some guy, some guy Mm -hmm. named like Jerry. Yeah. And then we won't be able to talk about the Zodiac. It'll be Jerry. When I think of the Zodiac, I already think of Jerry, and we talked about this during the live show. Well, yeah, that's what we have in common. (laughs) But, you know, it's like, God, I mean, the mystique of the serial killer is just tremendously annoying. Yes. The mystique of the serial killer 
is tremendously annoying, <laughs> Kelsey Weber Smith. I love that. I think I want to quote you. Please. <laughs> it's so British sounding, too. And that is me. Dry, dry British irritation. It's how I was raised. Like champagne. More after this. Ah, ah, ah. And now, back to the show. <laughs> I mean, something that I just was reading about that I think is interesting that would be fun to share here is that, like, we have been catching actually fairly interesting serial killers in the past few years. I feel like we have this idea of, like, there used to be way more and now there's way fewer. And we did have these estimates in the 80s that were just, like, unbridled in their pessimism about how many serial killers there were that were like 5,000 people a year murdered by serial killers. And then later on, the FBI like really scaled that back and was like, yeah, we got excited. Sorry. (laughs) And I'm sure that there's been, or I'm not sure, but I would guess that there's been some kind of decline in the kind of, the very specific kind of serial killer that becomes good media property where it's a white guy who can plausibly be imagined as a mastermind who's like going after a string of white women in a way that the police notice in time to alert the public of a pattern and that the public can then be part of. And I was just thinking the other day that something that is so obvious about true crime that it's you almost like miss it, but to me informs a lot of this is that our true crime properties are not about things that are happening now or even particularly recently. They're like an aggregate that we've like scraped from the most compelling to us cases of the past few decades. Yeah. So it feels like saying that we're not getting true crime content out of the present moment, I think in a way actually misses the point of what true crime content is, which is that it can be entertainment if it feels like not a present threat. But what do you what do you think about that? Well, I mean, it makes me think of like the Donner Party episode we did and that like yeah. it's so long ago. Yeah, we don't have that lifestyle anymore. I'm not like, oh my God, Chelsea, when we make our wagon train journey, I'm like too stressed about that to even be reading this. <laughs> yeah. Or like even like for example with the Dahmer show now, like the family's coming out and being like, This sucks. Yeah. We did not mm-hmm. want this to occur and it's Mm re-traumatizing us whereas like it's not going to re-traumatize people as much to talk about things that are more distant right like everyone's dead by then and and so it's like you know maybe like a fourth descendant or something is probably not going to like have a total trauma reaction to telling this story that they were not even close to being alive for versus Mm -hmm. like the real repercussions of true crime which of course like is a complicated thing to talk about, but it does, like with Dahmer, it's just, it is really recent, even if it doesn't feel very recent. It's like people are very much alive that this affected. And there's a lot of hot casting involved, which we know is a problem. Yeah. (laughs) As I believe we said when we performed in Seattle, serial killers need to be played by uggos Uggos from now on. Because that's what they are in real Mm -hmm. life. It's true. Again, we always say Ted Bundy Allegedly, allegedly handsome. handsome. Not hot. Allegedly handsome. I love that. Looks like George Bush. <laughs> exactly. And you can't unsee it either. No. no it's no, like no. when you realize <laughs> Mick Jagger sings back up on You're So Vain. <laughs> yeah. We just recently heard about that, actually. <laughs> it's so beautiful. 
Unlike Ted Bundy. Unlike Ted Bundy. Yeah. <laughs> I, we were saying in the show, too, that like it feels like Ted Bundy looks so much like young George Bush that if you did one of those things where you have to kill the evil twin and they like shuffle around in a circle and, you know, you have to kill the one that's bad mm-hmm. and you can't tell. And then you think you kill the bad one. But then at the end of the episode, there's like a little you know maybe you killed the wrong one and then it's like oh no you accidentally killed ted bundy and now someone much more dangerous has survived (laughs) yep (laughs) i don't know who to kill yeah should we do a round of fuck mary kill on that note (laughs) of course (laughs) okay the first one i have here is leatherface freddy krueger and hannibal lecter oh wow Hmm. Hmm. Well, if you were married to Hannibal Lecter, he wouldn't kill you. He would take you to the opera and he would cook for you. Mm. And yeah, some of it would be human flesh. But like, (laughs) is that really any less ethical than the beef industry? I don't think so. I don't think so. (laughs) That's a good point. You would have. I feel he would be very annoying. Yeah. Pedantic. He would be, but I feel like he would have a lot of time apart because he'd be busy, like, doing whatever he does. <laughs> and your digs would be nice. You'd live in a nice place. You would have a lovely house. You'd have a townhouse. You wouldn't live in an open field. No. <laughs> an abandoned house. Which would be annoying. <laughs> yeah, with that horrible family. Talk about Talk some about terrible in-laws. in-laws. <laughs> oh, my God. Because Leatherface himself is a very sweet boy. Yes. You know, know. when he hasn't been told to kill you, I think like without his family's influence, he's a very nice boy. Hmm. And I wouldn't want to have sex with him because I think that would be abuse. Yeah. Yeah. If Freddy Krueger was like, you know, in the mood to show a lady a good time, which I presume he could be in this scenario. Let's just say that Freddy Krueger has like, he's had... Some kind of magic surgery that's like, mm. he's been, whatever, he's been reformed. We're in <laughs> that a magic surgery? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We're, in, we're in the land beyond death and time where Freddy Krueger is like ready to like, he's like, hello, I was thinking, he's like, goes to the laundromat where you work and he's like, I was wondering, oh, gee, Freddy, get it together. Uh, do you like Italian food? Yeah, I, I don't do a very good Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and he oh and then he could take you to a Benihana. Oh. He would chop up meat with his his knives on his fingers and then he would chuck them on the grill and he could do the onion uh-huh. trick that they Beautiful. do. And like in that sweater, he kind of looks like he might be like a bright eyes emo. <laughs> so maybe he's like, mm-hmm. you know, got a swoopy hair now. He's got a wallet chain. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got a swoopy haircut to conceal his scar tissue. Yeah. Yeah. And then think about how Freddie can like send his tongue out through a phone receiver. <laughs> Right? Think of what he can do. How many does is there a limit to how many tongues he can manifest? We don't know. We don't know. So I would say Mary Hannibal Lecter because I think he would also be all European and sophisticated if he wanted to have an open marriage Mm, and he mm. seems to be like Mm -hmm. pretty sort of sexually interested in the people he kills sometimes. So it can be like, okay, Hannibal. You go do what you do, and I'm going to go hang out with this person I met on Bumble. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
and then I guess I would have to mercy kill Leatherface because he has killed a ton of people and the legal system would do terrible things to him. And I've already used my sex and marriage options, so I'm going to (laughs) gently kill him in a beautiful field of sunflowers and pet his hair. Wow, I think I underestimated how good Sarah Marshall would be at Fuck, Mary Kill. (laughs) Yeah, I would completely agree. No notes. (laughs) Excellent. Okay, I have one more. Fuck, Mary Kill. Jack Torrance. Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. Oh, (laughs) The TV from Poltergeist. Wow. Ooh. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> but not the TV from Videodrome, which does definitely want to have sex with you. Or the TV from The Ring, which... No. <laughs> no. Never mind. Chelsea, what, what do you think? <sighs> what are they again? Tell me one more time. Jack Torrance of The yes. Shining. Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. I, you can do whatever you want with that. I don't know if it's, I don't know her character's name. Alex Forrest. I guess watched this the other day. Alex. I'm not going to be ignored. Dan. <laughs> yeah, I knew Dan's name. Uh, so Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction and the TV from Poltergeist. Frick. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to marry the TV <laughs> because, I mean, I can't marry the other two. And the TV would let me be in an open marriage um, because it's an inanimate <laughs> It might like hiss at me through static when it's mad, but that's the worst I'll have to deal with. And you love TV. (laughs) I love TV. I would marry TV for sure. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Miranda. No, I'm in. She she wants to have an open marriage with TV with me. (laughs) We already do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody does, really. (laughs) And I think here's the thing is like Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. What's her name? (laughs) Alex. Alex, you can't marry her, but you really shouldn't sleep with her either because (laughs) we saw what happened to Michael Douglas. So, oh, I guess kill Jack Torrance because, come on, I mean, he's, you can't marry him. Look what happened to Mrs. Torrance. He's like, good news, sweetie. I got a job in an empty hotel on top of a mountain. I think it'll go great. But is it so bad to fuck Jack Torrance? I mean, if I was like an old lady ghoul. I think it would just be like really mediocre. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, the lady ghoul had a great time. She did. But I don't know. I think Glenn Close, it'd be fun. It'd be a fun once around, but... She ain't leaving you alone. No way. No, sir. Hide your rabbit. Well, what if you were like in town on business and then he had to go back to your home in, you know, Malaysia? Well, in the 90s, <laughs> you could kind of do that because you don't have social yeah. media. So she can't stalk you. As my mom says, you could just unplug the phone back in the <laughs> 90s. Oh, boy. Alex in the age of Instagram would be real handful. <laughs> oh, my God. She'd do a bunch of lives. Yeah. A lot of crying <laughs> selfies, for sure. And and because I just watched Fatal Attraction, I kind of forgotten that something that happens in it is that, okay, so Michael Douglas, happily married man, doesn't get to have sex with his wife one night. She goes away to the country. He met this hot lady at a party. She turns up at his work the next day. There's chemistry. They go to bed together. He goes back home. She's like, come back, come hang out with me. I'll cook you dinner while you work. They go to bed again. He's getting ready to go home and she cuts herself fairly deeply and makes a suicide attempt. And 
he basically like stays with her for a couple hours and then is like, okay, bye. I have to go now for goodbye. And like, doesn't take her to the hospital. Doesn't call anybody. Huh. Like there's no attempt to get her stitches. They, he just like wraps her up and he's like, okay, you're good. And then he's like, okay, bye. I think you're fine. And it's like, I don't know, Michael Douglas. I think that the sleeping with her was one thing, but the walking out on her after that was like, not that I'm on her side, but it makes more sense to me <laughs> mm-hmm. given mm-hmm. that. And so I feel like, I don't know, I, I could be a better partner for Glenn Close. Like, I'm just curious. I think that like if she actually got a therapist... Went to some groups. You think you could save her? I know. That's like the, I need to not be arranging my life that way. But like, yes, I could. But if you're going to save someone, let it be Glenn Glenn Close. Close. And not Jack Torrance. Uh True. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, just go home to your beautiful husband, the TV. (laughs) Yeah. I think it speaks to like sort of the greater belief in redemption we have now that like in the 80s, she had to like be that way because she was tortured by the corpse people and she's just stuck being Michael Douglas's stalker until she gets shot in the heart (laughs) by his wife. And in our reality where there's like mental illness exists and you get help for it, then like maybe a few years later she could look back and be like, wow, why was I so obsessed with that guy? Why did I set his car on fire? What was that about? <laughs> He's not even that hot. He's not even that hot. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes, Glenn Close. So, Sarah, what's your final answer here? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I would marry Glenn Close. You're not going to marry the TV? I No, I really want to, like, <laughs> really want to see just how much Alex Forrest can flourish if she has the right kind of resources. She feels stable and safe. And if it doesn't work out, then you can just come join our polyamorous marriage with the TV from Poltergeist. <laughs> with the TV. With the TV, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, and I'm going to have sex with the TV, so I will have already had sex with the TV. And I would uh, kill Jack Torrance because that would just be fun. <laughs> Bravo, everyone. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. Hooray. I think we all made good choices. I think so, too. <laughs> I think so, too. I'm looking forward to going to the opera with you guys and my wife, Alex Forrest. <laughs> and our wife, the TV. <laughs> that was a own chair at the opera. <laughs> so before we go, can we have a lightning round of favorite horror movies by subgenre? Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Okay, let's say Sarah goes first as the guest in our Halloween home. So we're going to start with monster movie Ooh! right now i'm gonna say the original godzilla mm. mm-hmm. chelsea <sighs> monster movie <laughs> sorry <laughs> zero well what's like a mon? can a monster be so many things i'm not lightning right now yeah i think jaws counts for example okay i like the fly the fly mm. I like the fly. Okay. <laughs> the fly's a monster, right? The fly's a monster. Oh, yeah. Classic monster. Because he's a scientist who flies too close to the sun. <laughs> exactly. And I also liked the monsters a lot, but that's TV. But that's okay, because it's going to be a movie. That's a monster movie. <laughs> and then if you make a movie about a, a grilled cheese romantic comedy, that would be a monster movie. Thank you. <laughs> 
Still got it. Still got it. <laughs> All right. Psychological thriller. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to say Rear Window because I think it's mm. the best of Hitchcock or one of my very favorite of his. And it's also very astute about true crime media culture and how much people kind of love murder in a way that seems ahead of its time now. I've never seen it, which feels like a cultural sin. It sounded like you were saying you've never seen it, which I just wanted to clear (laughs) up for you. Categorically untrue. Yeah, categorically (laughs) untrue. Okay, my answer is The Ring, which Mm -hmm. I think counts as a psychological thriller. I don't know. I mean, just think about like the horse scene. Mm -hmm. It's like one of the greatest scenes of all horror. The the horse Mm -hmm. on the ferry when Naomi Watts just won't leave that horse alone. She's got to try to calm that horse down until that horse breaks free and gallops about the ferry, which is very, 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 very scary because horses have a lot of power. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't think of it before, but yeah, it's great because the horse is like scary in its strength and also like innocent and undeserving of all of this. Yeah, that was a billion percent Naomi's fault. A very infuriating scene. (laughs) Yeah, very infuriating. Okay, Movie that is not in the horror genre, but still scares you a lot. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I think documentaries are Mm. a good, like, place to go. Like, I say Woodstock 99. Ooh, good answer. Yeah, Woodstock 99. I'm going to say that as well. Yeah. The documentary from, we watched the, which one did we watch, Miranda? The Netflix one. The two-parter, or four parts. parts? Three parts. Anyway, it's... Yeah, absolutely terrifying in terms of like, if I was ever going to believe that rock music caused satanic rituals, it would be because of Woodstock 99 <laughs> and the like, utter possession that happened because of corn <laughs> and capitalism as well as oh terrible God. infrastructure. Yeah, <laughs> had real, real nightmares. Um, but yeah, that we definitely like were not we were having a really hard time with that, but it was also just a fantastic documentary. So that's that's my mm. answer for sure. By the same token, I will say two things. Robert Altman's Three Women, which isn't typically categorized as horror, but I think you technically could because it's, I think, a kind of a loose adaptation of Bergman's persona. So it's like, not everyone would call it horror, but some people would. It's one of the most truly unsettling movies I've ever seen. And then also, to add to the concert documentary thing, uh, Gimme Shelter, which Mm. is about the Rolling Stones concert at Altamont, where they hired the Hells Angels as security guards, and surprise, they murdered someone. Didn't go well. (laughs) And seeing the situation disintegrate and seeing how nobody is in control Mm -hmm. and nobody understood the implications of what they were doing or how poorly they were planning it is, like, terrifying and very instructive. Absolutely. Oh, I'm glad that those are both of our answers. It's just concerts gone wrong. Yeah. What am I afraid of? Concerts. That's yeah. true. Being in a big crowd of people, it's gross. Like, what a gross, gross experience. I used to go to Warp Tour and just like in a sea of just sweaty, sweaty people. I, you just could, I don't know how much I'd have to be paid to like be in a mosh pit like that ever again. Terror. <laughs> Body horror. <laughs> Ooh. Are you just saying that in reference to the Warped Tour? Or is that the next genre? Both. I thought that's what you were. <laughs> okay. 
I would say uh, David Cronenberg's The Brood, because that's one of the first things that comes to mind is Samantha Egger licking her newborn rage baby. And also that it just feels, I don't know, the aesthetic of it is so great. It just feels kind of like it takes place in the real world. And it's like, so of course there's this therapy where you'll physically manifest your emotions and you can have babies that represent your anger and they go kill the people you're mad at. And it, it's just so matter of fact, you're like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I haven't seen this either. Okay, are you writing these down, Miranda? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to put them in our little hat. <laughs> Movie hat. I'm going to say Cabin Fever. Mm. Oh, yeah. The original, which is one of my most favorite, favorite horror movies that has Sean from Boy Meets World in it. And <laughs> yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's a comedy horror, uh, which is really fun. And I think it's definitely the Eli Roth movie that I like and can watch again, even though they remade didn't he remake his own movie? I can't even go into that. <laughs> but I wow. think he might have remade his own movie in Cabin Fever. But yeah, I love that film. So scary. It's about, for those who don't know, a group of young 20-somethings partying in a cabin in the woods who then start having symptoms of a mysterious disease. And it's very gross and very scary. And uh, I generally don't like sickness horror, mm. but I do love this movie. Okay, non-horror Halloween movie. Ooh. Clue, of course. The perfect Halloween and fall movie, and it's got a spooky house, and it's got Tim Curry, and just feels like the millennial childhood. Excellent choice. Hmm. I don't know. Miranda, do you have an answer? What about the Addams Family or... Ooh, yes. Mine would be Hocus Pocus. But isn't that, I guess it's not a horror movie. It's not a horror movie. No. Well, it's a horror movie if you're seven. Right. Beautiful. Teen slasher. Ooh. Hmm. Does Final Destination count? I think so. See, I would say yes. Yeah. Even though it's like death is the the slasher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, they're being slashed by death itself. I love that. I mean, there's a couple of ways to look at it. There's a classic slasher template, which is kind of like the mummy movie template where like, Someone from the present enters like a space from the past where something horrible happens and wakes that scary thing back up and it comes after them or it's coming for them for revenge. Or it gets the template of every few minutes you're going to see someone die in an exciting way. And that's what Final Destination does. It's so creative. Yeah. Final Destination. How about you, Chelsea? I think that's a great answer, and it was actually one that came to me immediately as well, but... <sighs> but what about Scream? I know, I know, and it's like, it just feels like such a obvious answer, but yes, I think, I think Scream, and I am very partial to Urban Legend, mm. which I believe was 99. Urban Legend is such a delight. Yes. It's such a delight, and I mean truly an inspiration for American hysteria. And so I'll always hold it in my heart for that reason. And so I think I'm going to say, I might say uh, Urban Legend, even though, of course, Scream is always going to be sort of the default number one, right. of course. Mm. Well, let's end on all-time favorite. Ooh. The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm. of course. Mm -hmm. Can't be beat. Mm -hmm. Equaled but never surpassed, in my opinion. <laughs> Well, I think our listeners know what mine is, or my two, <laughs> which would be Blair Witch Project and the 1990 miniseries, Stephen King's It. 
if you count that, which I think. Of course you do. <laughs> you should, even though it's a mini series. But yeah, it's uh, also a double VHS, so I think we'll count it. When I was your age, movies used to be called mini series. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are like definite, like in my heart, they've transcended the horror genre and just become comfort movies hmm. um i find tim curry as pennywise to be extremely comforting and my brother and his lovely fiance callie got me a pennywise doll that has interchangeable parts and it's very 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 well made and it sits right on my desk and a lot of people wouldn't like to look at that but i do <laughs> i love it i like looking at him all day long well that was beautiful that was beautiful. Thank you both for taking part in this Halloween spectacular. Thank you for hosting, Miranda. <laughs> Thank you, Miranda. Thank you for making Halloween even more magical. Sarah, it's always an absolute pleasure. And we're going to meet halfway and go to a drive-in movie that is also a what Miranda like a what would you we're call going it? to the cinema of horrors cinema of horrors the cinema yes. of horrors <laughs> which is a drive-in movie where your car is surrounded by ghouls Ugh, I can't wait what could be better nothing it's gonna be fantastic <laughs> well we'll see you then and Miranda thanks again for hosting and uh, may all of you have a fantastic Halloween month and we'll have plenty more content coming your way see you at the drive-in This was American Hysteria. If you've been living six feet under in an ornate coffin and have somehow missed You're Wrong About and You Are Good, subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts or else. And remember, if you want to hear the extended director's cut of this conversation, head to patreon.com slash American Hysteria to get ad-free episodes, live streams, and Hysteria Home Companion, where our ghost, I mean host of today, Miranda Zickler, and I discuss all the hottest gossip from the cutting room floor of each topic. From the polyamorous cult of Ayn Rand to the dark secrets of extreme haunted houses and, of course, celebrity alien abductions. This episode was produced by Miranda Zickler with sound design by Clear Camo Studios. And then there's me, Chelsea Weber-Smith, whatever the hell I do. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we hope you have a great start to this most holy of millennial Christmases. Have a great week.